Hey all, CD Danny Mac here. Just want to let you guys know that this week's episode is covering two editions of NXT from August 29th and September 5th. So if you just want to jump to the most recent coverage, you can hop on up to around the 20 minute mark in case you just don't feel like listening to the last edition of August's coverage and you want to jump right into the most recent edition of NXT discussion. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Hello everybody, thank you for listening, and welcome back Team NXT. I am CD, Danny Mac, bringing you another episode of the Undisputed Future Podcast. This is episode 67, and we have two weeks worth of turmoil to discuss a little bit of a hiatus after Brooklyn kind of got swept up in some personal agendas and a little bit of the all-in hype as well. We are a just about a week removed from that, and a couple weeks removed from TakeOver. It is Friday, September 7th, and I'm here to discuss the August 29th and September 5th editions of WWE's NXT. Now, I'll give a little bit of a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode, and as soon as I figure out where my August 29th discussion is going to end and my September 5th discussion is going to begin, I'll, uh, I'll give you guys a certain timestamp in the beginning and you probably won't hear this if you went by that aforementioned timestamp. But as soon as I get a summary wrapped up for the August 29th edition of NXT, I will, uh, I'll make sure to leave a timestamp out for you. Thank you to everybody on the Twitter for getting me close to 1,200 followers at this point. You guys have been amazing with the discussions and the group messages that have seemed to really, really bring an online wrestling community created of podcasts together it's it's been really good a lot of different insights a lot of different just a lot of different topics that are covered from podcast to podcast so it's an excellent community to be a part of and I'll get to that towards the end but let's jump right into some NXT discussion and two things that this podcast will have in common is the beginning and the ending I'm going to begin the conversation with Johnny Gargano and by the end of that September 5th edition of NXT I'm, of course, talking more about Johnny Wrestling, but an emotional Johnny Gargano would come out, claim he does not deserve the praise from the NXT fans like he's, I I guess, used to. I mean, it really all started taking a downward spiral with Aleister Black defending his NXT championship against Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano being the man to... Being the man to drive the NXT title right into the hands of his bitter rival, Tommaso Ciampa, he lost himself and he broke a promise at TakeOver Brooklyn 4. It was not the same Johnny Gargano we are used to. It was a completely different mindset, absolutely possessed by hatred and a combination of stupidity, I guess, with deciding to attempt that running knee towards the end of that last man standing match. He broke a promise to us claiming to 
and vowing that he would walk away from this last man standing match not only with his first NXT TakeOver Brooklyn victory, but with that NXT championship around his shoulder. Brooklyn changed Gargano, and he became the very man that he hated. He can't get this man out of his mind either. We saw shades of the evil, possessed personality of Tommaso Ciampa in Johnny Gargano, that hatred overcoming him, that attempted knee attack, really the game changer of that last man standing match. And it really comes down to one phrase for Johnny Gargano at this point. I don't know. He doesn't know where his career will take place. He doesn't know where the road is going to lead for him. Regal asked him flat out if he attacked Aleister Black. And keep in mind, throughout this course of the investigation team NXT, Johnny Gargano has not flat out denied being Aleister Black's attacker. So this this becoming of the man he hated, it could be going back a little bit further than just what we saw at TakeOver Brooklyn 4. This side of Johnny Gargano could have gotten unleashed backstage at the expense of then-NXT, well, then-former NXT champion, Aleister Black. And another man familiar with Aleister Black would make his presence known the Velveteen Dream experience from the experience in Brooklyn back to Full Sail. It should revolve around Brooklyn conversation. Velveteen's in agreement with Johnny there. But it should not be revolving around Johnny's shortcomings. It should be revolved around the success of the Velveteen dream. Velveteen deeming Johnny Gargano, Johnny failure, Johnny disappointment, Johnny insert negative adjective here. Dream was really getting underneath the skin of Gargano. And even more so, mirroring and becoming the man he hated, he would throw his crutch at Velveteen dream. Johnny Gargano is absolutely unleashed. And this would lead to an unbelievable main event matchup for next edition of NXT on September 5th. But talking August 28th, 29th edition of NXT is NXT Women's Action with Dakota Kai taking on Aaliyah. Dakota Kai, a former May Young Classic competitor in her own right. Aaliyah, a form of an NXT veteran, as well as on the rise and improving in the NXT System. I've talked about this before. I know Aaliyah from her coverage on WWE's Breaking Ground. She has been a feature in the NXT Women's Division for many, what feels like many years at, at this point. A lot of stars have come and gone from NXT to the main roster at this point, but Aaliyah does seem to be that constant. And Dakota Kai, having something in common with her good friend Tegan Knox also a former Mae Young Classic competitor, and both of these women have something in common with each other. It felt like two EDM girls going at it with each other. Very similar entrance themes, really really kind of similar aesthetic between Aaliyah and the captain of Team Kick, but an angry Aaliyah, and I guess a little bit more of an edge to the cat's meow, would really take it to Dakota Kai, and the Team Kick captain really did seem surprised by this aggressive side of Aaliyah. We've tried a few different A few different things with Aaliyah at this point through her tenure in NXT. I think some aggression and anger and a little bit of an edge to her could really, really revamp a existing NXT career. But Dakota Kai would not be down very long. She would counter with some unexpected power and her signature kicks. I could watch that face wash on a loop no matter who her opponent is all throughout NXT and the confidence would cost Aaliyah and send her straight 
to the chiropractor. That innovative, back-breaking finisher would seal the victory for the captain of Team Kick. I can't think of a better name than chiropractor. I'm really hoping that it's the official named term. I haven't heard anything specific on commentary, or maybe yours truly just isn't paying attention enough. But Dakota Kai with a stamp on a victory in the women's division, Tegan Knox upcoming. I will be discussing the Mae Young Classic on my Twitter account, live tweeting as it goes along. I'm really hoping to do some tournament wrap-up episode, maybe at the end of the first rounds, and I'll cover it round by round instead of bracket and airing by bracket. You could get all my coverage by the live tweets, and then I would just do a couple summary episodes. Give me your thoughts on how you want me to cover the Mae Young Classic, because a second hour of reputable wrestling right after NXT is definitely worth discussing. And a little bit out of order on this episode of NXT, I'm going to cover some more women's discussion, and I mean that pretty literally, because Nikki Cross would be questioned by William Regal and his investigator because Nikki Cross was seen with a little bit more in-depth look at the footage of the attack on Aleister Black, an overhead cam, some sort of high-tech security camera, able to get the outline of Nikki Cross hanging out on the sanity-deemed rooftop, and Nikki Cross claiming to know a secret. Claiming to know a secret, and here's the phone ringing, and I guess Nikki Cross hears the answers before William Regal or... The investigator do, or maybe it's just what's going on in the twisted sister of Sanity's skull? It could be a number of things, but Nikki Cross as a literal character witness is certainly worth the watch, and another person really reputing their character work is the EST of NXT, Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair walking in on this investigative questioning and assuring William Regal that she is in top condition to compete with a victory over Deanna Perazzo in Brooklyn. It's really hard to question, and Bianca Belair, an impatient competitor and demanding a title shot. But Nikki Cross would demand a little bit of a play date with the impressive athlete of Bianca Belair, and I'm really hoping that next week... And by next week, I mean September 5th, because unfortunately, this matchup did not come in the following edition on September 5th. Bianca Belair, one of the fastest rising stars in the NXT women's division, and Nikki Cross, a real real focal point on the division, obviously still has Shayna Baszler obsession in her crosshairs due to her involvement in a recent number one contenders match. There's Candice LeRae to also be looked at, and there's a slew of competitors coming in from the Mae Young Classic. So I'm hoping sooner rather than later, and I could repeat this ad nauseum, Nikki Cross needs to be reunited with her brothers in arms in Sanity on SmackDown Live, and I'm hoping she's just a rivalry or two away from being able to do such things. But shifting away from where I want to see Nikki Cross rivalries end, One rivalry on NXT just seems to be beginning. Lars Sullivan obviously not taking kindly to the accusation words of EC3 and the top 1% would be laid out before his match with another rising Raul Mendoza. Sullivan just tearing through even the slightest bit of suspicion by EC3. Mendoza would later enter the arena at Full Sail University but so would Lars Sullivan. 
you are standing in Larsovan territory. Mendoza would go on to get bulldozed by a freak accident and some clubbing strikes. And speaking of that Twitter group I belong to, it seems like conversation is kicking up right now. I'll get to you guys after this episode. What's next for Lars? I'll talk about Lars when I cover September 5th edition and a really shocking kind of spoke in the wheel of my theory on the Aleister Black attack. NXT UK, what does it mean? When is it coming? What's going to happen? UK plug followed by a UK debut in Full Sail University. Luke Menzies, a former rugby player and live circuit practitioner for NXT, would take on the charismatic Keith Lee. And Keith Lee would come out the gates with one of the biggest Hurricane Ranas I have ever seen. Granted, Menzies is a big man himself, but the size would still be an advantage with Keith Lee as well as the speed. Speed is a factor when you deal with Keith Lee. Not not a really common attribute since the departure of Killian Dane from the big men in the NXT circuit. You don't see the speed executed with guys like a Cassius Ono or like a Lars Sullivan, but you get every bit of athleticism from the former football player in Keith Lee. Luke Menzies, impressive in his own right. I'm really hoping he gets a chance to shine in the NXT UK division, whenever that may be. But an impressive victory for Keith Lee. Once again, a launching powerbomb sit-out for the 1, 2, and 3. Keith Lee, Lars Sullivan, kind of writes itself. I'm all on board with that hype train. Once Lars has done dealing with apparently false accusations, I'm still not entirely sure I buy the big man's story, but I'll get into depth a little bit more on the next discussion for NXT. Keith Lee, Lars Sullivan, count me in for that one. The charismatic one, he's bringing a lot to NXT. I'm very impressed. I just started really researching Keith Lee when I found out about his NXT signing. He's always a talent I've seen in passing, whether you're scrolling, looking for outside wrestling interests beyond the WWE spectrum. Keith Lee was a name that came up, and I'm familiar with his work, but now that I'm more familiar with him on NXT television, now I could start to invest in fantasy book rivalries. Give me Lars versus Keith Lee once Lars is satisfied with the destruction that may come to EC3. Let's talk about the champion. Might as well. I, uh, I apparently doing these segments out of order here. Tommaso Ciampa claims he has surpassed expectations when he claimed he would come back from his ACL surgery to be the most dangerous son of a bitch in all of the NXT universe. It takes a certain man to be at the top and also to remain at the top and nobody will survive what comes next. Johnny Gargano is surviving it by a thread, maybe with the slightest bit of his sanity still intact at the end of this one. At the end of the most recent edition of NXT, you really can't know what the what the state of Johnny Gargano is going to be. He's been taken over by this symbiote, and it, it really seems to be screwing him over when, uh, when the big spotlight is shown on him. But a team that deserves some spotlight is the 1-2 punch, and 1-2 in 2 Weeks. Danny Burch, Oni Orkin coming back to NXT television. 
two former NXT Tag Team Championship competitors, two of the hardest-hitting guys on the entire roster. It's a team to behold. It's somewhat, It's it's a tandem I was very impressed with coming up through the ranks as a rivalry singles action. They had a couple good matches against each other, decided to become a team, gained some interest, for lack of a better term, with the Undisputed Era, and put on a phenomenal match at NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. But another interesting team. Interesting team coming through is the team that makes up this main event. It's North American champion, Ricochet. It's UK champion, the Bruiserweight, Pete Dunne. Lots of gold to behold in this main event. And an unexpected twist on the Undisputed Era side of things. Ordinarily, and especially most recently, we are used to the duo of Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly taking on any team for that championship. And I'll say it again and again. I miss Bobby Fish, and I quite frankly did not expect the chemistry that Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong have had to be as successful as it has been. But I could watch any combination of Undisputed Era, and they'll put on a great match. The dude crew is most certainly intact. But Kyle O'Reilly would be replaced by Adam Cole, baby, who clearly wants redemption against Ricochet. And Full Sail didn't really care who the combination was for. We got all these guys. We got everybody chance. And this was just slightly before the action really picked up. Ricochet has provoked the attention of Undisputed Era. We know of the history Pete Dunne and the rest of British Strong Style, including Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven, have with the Undisputed Era. It was really a hard-hitting affair with a lot of bad blood. The goal here was to take the breath away from Ricochet by the Undisputed Era. You have no cardio. You can't pull off the high-flying moves that he's able to do. But Dunne was waiting patiently, surprisingly playing nice this matchup. It wouldn't last very long, but hey, I mean, Pete Dunne playing nice in the ring is is something that a tag team partner could definitely take as a win. The hot tag would come out, laying out both Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. Dunne would set up, set up a counter for the high-flying ricochet, and even Pete Dunne would take to the air himself in this matchup. We don't see the Bruiserweight take to the skies very often, but when he does, he has a beautiful moonsault. But there's always one solidified difference between Undisputed Era and everybody else. They're the tag team re- tag team champions for a reason as a faction. No matter the combination of these four guys, it all came down to that statement. Ricochet, with a slight miscommunication to the outside, would lay out Pete Dunne. Undisputed Era able to turn the entire match around and the last shot would be delivered by the former North American champion Adam Cole to the current UK champion Pete Dunne for the victory. Undisputed Era with the slightest bit of redemption over Ricochet as well as Pete Dunne. But the celebration would not last long because in familiar territory, similar to the ending of the Tag Team Championship match in Brooklyn, the War Raiders would storm. The Raiders are not done with Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era is still not done with Ricochet, but Undisputed Era would avoid ambush and the maraudering at the hands of the Vikings 
for now. Obviously, eyes set on the gold by Hansen and Rowe. War Games is coming up. War Raiders being in the Tag Team Championship picture. I'm really starting to see the next NXT TakeOver slightly writing itself on this one. That about wraps up the August 29th edition of NXT. When I do these two-week turmoil-based episodes, when I'm trying to summarize two weeks, I like to give a little bit of a shorter summary because I know you guys are here for the current NXT discussion. And if you're here for the current NXT discussion, thank you so much for joining me and tuning in this episode. 20 minutes, very simple to give that aforementioned timestamp on for this episode. 20 minutes in for the first edition of the episode and the last edition of NXT television for the month of August. Welcome to the talk for September 5th, 2018. I am CD Danny Mac. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I wouldn't be here without you guys, the usual pandering to my audience. Let's talk. It's time for Cassius versus Kona. Two big men battling to begin this episode of NXT. We've seen a new, edgier side to Cassius Ono. Cassius tired of being overlooked, tired of coming up shorthanded, and quite frankly, tired of the spotlight coming to those just joining the NXT fray. I'll get to that when I discuss his post-match promo. Not much to say, well, actually not much to say, kind of seems to be the theme of a Kona Reeves match. A big right hand would follow after Kona tries to appeal to Cassius and claim to be the finest. And it really all came down to the superior striking ability of Cassius Ono. Kona Reeves falling over himself again after a top rope maneuver. If you're a guy that big trying to deliver some captivating offense, stay on your feet. If you want to raise your foot and hit somebody in the head, either make it look like it was intentional momentum with that big boot, like a certain Luke Harper does, and if you're attempting a top rope maneuver, especially on a guy your size, for the love of God, man, stay up tall. You're going to be able to hit the guy. Cassius Ono, not a short fella. You didn't need to get down that low and fall over yourself trying to execute this maneuver. You could shift it and say it was delivered with such impactful force it drove him to the ground and try and save a little bit of Kona kayfabe in that sense, but I'm going to digress away from the finest. I'm still missing Tino Sabatelli, the superior rich guy gimmick of NXT. In my humble opinion, I don't know if it becomes a stable. I don't know what Riddick Moss or Tino Sabatelli have been doing since the dismantling of the big money athletes, but Kona Reeves, is he's just not cutting it for me as the, as, as the second rich guy gimmick across from the top one percenter in EC3. Cassius Ono would seal victory for himself after countering the Hawaiian drop to a roaring elbow. Basic transition, big impact, one, two, three, a victory for Cassius Ono. The winning streak continues. Cassius not done with the full sale crowd, though. He would make his point known that there's buzz around somebody until there isn't. There's buzz around this winning streak for Cassius Ono right now, but Cassius is used to being an afterthought in the landscape of NXT. There will always be someone new. It's the beauty of NXT, but it's also the bane of NXT 
for guys like Cassius Ono, even like tenured veterans of NXT like Aaliyah, who I covered in the last edition of August 29th. These are talents that have been in NXT for quite some time and not getting the deserved buzz, I guess, as Cassius seems to want to put it here. Cassius Ono appearing to appearing to pick up a bitter veteran role in his character here on NXT. I've read it as NXT gatekeeper as well. He has given up some big victories to the likes of Lars Sullivan and the Velveteen Dream, who have gone on to headline takeovers and have match of the night against Aleister Black in Velveteen Dream's respect, and even to compete for the NXT title against Aleister Black in Lars Sullivan's respect. I kind of looked at this one with a pun fully intentional as a riddle of a promo for the next new signing. Could it have been a shot at the newly signed King of Bros, Matt Riddle? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to see it that way. I'm going to do a heavily, heavily assumed thing here, and you guys can fact check me, and please feel free to fact check me on this one. But I'm going to assume Riddle and Cassius Ono, then known as Chris Hero, have some PWG history with each other, and I kind of want to assume the same thing for even Keith Lee. I'm sure these guys have crossed paths at one point or another, whether it be PWG or Dragon Gate or one of the lesser-known American-based independent organizations. But Cassius said it himself, no matter who he's talking about, it could be Riddle, it could be Keith Lee, it could be an NXT signing we have not seen happen yet that there just so happens to be a lot of buzz around. But Cassius will be the first to welcome you, but also the first to knock you out. A very compelling change of character for the knockout artist. I really like this edge, and it could go as far as him being revealed to be the attacker of Aleister Black. Because Aleister Black, when he was signed to NXT, he was a guy with a lot of buzz around him as Tommy Ends. He's a former NXT champion. Cassius could be so bitter that he cost him... His shot at a rematch for the title Alistair just got done holding. The angle could take a lot of different terms. It was a really wide and open-ended promo with a wide range of interpretation. Give me your thoughts. What do you think is next for the knockout artist Cassius Ono? Alright, now time for something I have been anticipated talking about for quite some time now. It's the Full Cell debut and the NXT television debut of the Forgotten Sons. Forgotten Sons, Wesley Blake, Steve Cutler, and the newly acquired Jackson Riker, a.k.a. Chad Lale, a.k.a. Gunner from TNA. TNA, former, former TNA World Tag Team Champion, fascinating background actually for all three of these guys. We kind of know of Wesley Blake's history in NXT, former tag team champion with the juggernaut of 205 Live, Buddy Murphy, the Blake and Murphy factor with Alexa Bliss, former NXT tag team champions, putting on a show stealer of a match with the Vaude Villains at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 15. Okay, every single match on the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2015 card could have been a show stealer of a match. But that one was a lot of fun, and Blue Pants got to come out in front of a Brooklyn crowd. I absolutely adored that match. 
Very interesting background for all three of these guys. Like I mentioned, Wesley Blake's championship accomplishments already. Chad Lale, Jackson Riker, Gunner. Yeah, you take that Gunner thing quite literally. A veteran of the Iraq War and a machine gunner for the United States Army. Unbelievable story. I knew of Steve Cutler's background. Steve Cutler, a New Jersey native, as well as former United States Marine. What a trip to watch him with with long hair now. If you know anything about that military haircut and just watching the transition of Steve Cutler character and aesthetic-wise, it was... It's it's quite the 180 from what we're used to dealing with Steve Cutler. Steve Cutler, actually I watched him lose a match to Aleister Black back in the Asbury Park. Not this past August, but the show last year. I watched Steve Cutler take a black mass right to his face. And uh, after a pretty good cheap heat, uh, I'm sick of New Jersey, I'm happy I left here and moved to Florida promo that got the crowds turned against him. Steve Cutler... Don't sleep on Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake as a tag team. It would be the tandem to make their debut for the, fo- for the Forgotten Sons against the Street Profits. If I could paraphrase my interview with founding member of Sanity, Sawyer Fulton, Sawyer Fulton claims that Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler, a tag team to watch within the WWE circuit. But a huge opportunity for them for sure. Street Profits, one of the most popular teams in the NXT locker room. The Prophets would bring the bring the fight early. Welcome to TV for Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler and their newly vamped Forgotten Sons stable. Montez Ford wrestling in chains. Can we talk about the greatness of Montez Ford for just a just a couple moments? I know I know Angelo Dawkins has the Curse of Greatness nickname, but I really think that's on the wrong part of the Street Prophets. Everything Montez Ford does is captivating. The charisma is contagious. I'm I'm all out of C, positive alliteration for positive attributes for Montez Ford. But Montez Ford, high-flying and always a good time. But not taking such a good time in this matchup. Able to turn the match around, the Forgotten Sons, more particularly Wesley Blake, would deliver a Texas-sized clothesline that would make JBL quite proud of the San Antonio native. Wesley Blake, huge clothesline, lots of hard, heavy strikes, and really rough and tough offense from this Forgotten Sons stable. These guys are chemistry. Just because they haven't been on NXT television, do not sleep on how long these guys have been a team. If if you follow NXT on social media, and I'm assuming most, if not all of you out there listening do... We've seen pictures of Cutler and Blake going as far back as to early last year. These guys have been a team for quite some time. They even went out of their way to mention it on commentary. Chad Lale, Jackson Riker, he's the newest member of this now stable. It was just the Forgotten Sons, Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. Jackson Riker, newest to the fray. Undeniable tag team chemistry by the Forgotten Sons in this one. But I'll stop talking about them. I do want to discuss Angelo Dawkins. The big man is flying all over the place with the hot tag in this match. Angelo Dawkins, just as charismatic. It takes two to really deliver on the Street Profits. Good time. And Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford are both equal parts of the equation. Bringing a good time. Bringing hard, heavy, hitting offense. 
but it would all be brought to a halt by some mysterious, mysterious, I don't want to use mysterious marauders, I really look at the War Raiders as the Viking marauders of NXT. I got it. Some anonymous Australians, yeah, that's right, TM61 continuing this bad blood that seems to stand against the Street Profits, the Mighty would come out disguised, robbing the Street Profits of their cup and their chains? The Montez Ford, whatever was left behind, got stolen. Australians making off, I know it, if you know anything about Australia's history, it is a province made up of former prisoners, but the Mighty just deciding robbery was necessary in this wrestling match is, is just wrong. But it would shift the favor into the corner of the Forgotten Sons. Mighty Disguise, robbing the Street Prophet's cup, it would all turn over from there. Riker on the outside would roll over Montez Ford, and the Forgotten Sons would deliver a inverted DDT with what looked like a knee or stomp sort of combination. Whatever it was, it added enough extra impact to put away Montez Ford sealing a first NXT television debut victory for the Forgotten Sons. And Steve Cutler looks very badass, not just with the new look and the long hair, but busted open the hard way in this matchup, I believe after a DDT by Angelo Dawkins. Some hard-hitting affair in this one. Forgotten Sons, it's the look, it's the no-nonsense attitude I really see big things for them in the NXT Tag Team Division. I'd love to see them cross pads in a 3-on-3 scenario with either British Strong Style or the Undisputed Era, two of the already established factions here in NXT. The Forgotten Sons are forgotten no more. That's going to end up being a majority of this episode. Can you tell I've been looking forward to talking about these guys making a televised debut? Already interrogated suspects... For this Aleister Black investigation, they ended up not only getting what they wanted, which was an opportunity, but a successful opportunity at that. And speaking of interrogations, one of my favorite interrog... Not one of them. My favorite interrogation thus far coming out of Heavy Machinery, Tucker Knight, and more particularly, Otis Dozovic. Otis Dozovic admitting to the crime just could not take it under the hot lights anymore. He blew something up. And it just so happened to be the bathroom of the performance center. Blowing up the toilet. Destroying the toilet. Didn't want to go to jail. Couldn't handle the big house. Dozer freaking out. Tucker Knight and William Regal able to calm down the bigger man. Otis Dozovic playing. I can't find any better similarity than a Chris Farley character in this segment. Cracked me up. Could barely contain myself to take any notes on it. Otis Dozovic. Heavy machinery as a whole is a treasure for this tag team division. The video footage by them has been helpful to William Regal. Tucker Knight says that Regal knows the same amount that they do. Except he did mention one thing that was not captured on the video, and that is Tate and that is Tommaso Ciampa, the NXT champion, hiding in the bushes. What you want to open for interpretation from that Team NXT, I don't know. Hoping to get a little bit more on that next week. But speaking of Tommaso Ciampa, let's jump into another backstage footage promo 
by the current NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa doing things on his time, more particularly in his moments, I guess. I hope that got a laugh out of one of you. Tommaso Ciampa doesn't want to appear because he has no opponent. He sees his history with Johnny Gargano as finished, Aleister Black still in no condition to compete. So he's sick of the NXT universe unless he's the main event, the champion. He's the last man standing. He doesn't want to be around for any of the opinions. He's sick of those. The only thing he wants to see is people following the leader of the NXT locker room. Tommaso Ciampa doing things on his time. I think it actually benefits him not to appear in front of the live crowd for now. Really developing some mystique. Really developing the I don't care what anyone thinks. This is my NXT. I'm running things on my time. In my schedule. And until he has a worthy opponent. I'm not saying I agree with the tactic. But I can totally understand it. Why show up if you have nobody to talk smack to? Why show up if Johnny Gargano's... You know what's going to come if you cross paths with Johnny freaking wrestling again. Tommaso Ciampa, not staying home, but not sticking around for anybody in Full Sail University. Shifting away from that champion, though, talking about two current champions involved in the last discussion, tag team main event. I'm talking about North American champion Ricochet and United Kingdom champion Pete Dunne. The championship caliber confrontation will take place in two weeks. Bad blood since their miscommunication. It even goes back a little bit further than that. These guys have been eyeing each other's titles for some time now. And it will all come down to what is sure to be a fantastic match in just two weeks. Ricochet and Dunn collide in a champion versus champion match. And current champions as well involves the new women's champion, the Pirate Princess, Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane with a treasure chest and a championship and some gold doubloons for the NXT universe. And I did not know this one. Shout out to my friend Nick over at Who Got Next Pod, another quality show for NXT discussion. Apparently during the tapings, and I tend not to go on Twitter when I know the Full Sail tapings are occurring because I live in the spoiler-free zone and I admire those who want to follow that same principle, but I'll take this as a slight spoiler from those tapings. Kyrie Sane threw the championship as well as the tiny pieces of gold into the crowd as well. That's got to be one lucky fan able to hold that sort of hardware, even if it was by a complete accident. I initially thought we would just be hearing from the new NXT Women's Champion about what she had to overcome in the face of adversity known as the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler, but she would have a match against Trish Adora, and until I'm told otherwise, I'm presuming she's part of the larger movement in Wakanda. What a a very unique look for Trish Adora. Adora also having the size advantage over the Pirate Princess, but it would not be a factor when dealing with the NXT Women's Champion, Kyrie able to handle the larger opponents with speed and momentum. It would be little advantage for Trish Adora. I like what I saw 
Always room for a powerhouse in the NXT women's division right now. I think the closest thing we do have is Shayna Baszler, and she leans way more towards the submission and aggressive style than a throw-you-arounds, throwing-my-weight-around sort of style that we might not be all that familiar with in the current NXT women's landscape. Little advantage would lead to big things for the current champion, sliding D, rolling all over the ring, and of course ending with an insane elbow for the three count. But it would not end there. Kyrie Sane's evening would not be finished there. Baszler says enjoy the fantasy now because the reality is in the form of a rematch and the reality is a cannonball to the pirate princess and it's in the shape of Shayna Baszler. Confrontation breaks out. Shayna Baszler rocking a bad religion tee throughout the whole thing. Probably the most I've respected Kayfabe or not, Shayna Baszler being a Bad Religion fan, major shout out to the four horsewoman of MMA. I know the, you gotta know the music taste is good with Joan Jett being Ronda Rousey's entrance theme and the Bad Religion t-shirt by Shayna Baszler. There's definitely a punk rock element to these four women. The Kyrie and Shayna Baszler confrontation and rivalry continuing, I thought is a great move. Shayna Baszler able to get another championship opportunity while Jessamine Duke and uh, Marina Shafir able to grease their wheels a little bit more in the NXT live circuit, and current Raw Women's Champion Ronda Rousey obviously having a whole lot of fun with the professional wrestling transition. Great rivalry for the NXT Women's Division. Lots of hype surrounding the WWE Evolution pay-per-view, as well as the Mae Young Classic 2. Will Shayna Baszler's rematch come at the next takeover, all the way down the road? Or is Shayna Baszler going to cash in her rematch for the WWE Evolution pay-per-view? And I think the May Young Classic finals for this year ends a May Young Classic inaugural tournament finals rematch for the NXT Women's Championship. I think having both those things at this event can be very important. I think it's a great booking move. It's, it's exactly what I would do. I want to see Baszler and Kyrie again. I want to see all the talents in this next tournament. I can only fantasy book the finals at this point because I am not looking up any spoiler brackets for this tournament. But the first week of the Mae Young Classic got me hyped and I'm definitely on the women's wrestling bandwagon. It's just becoming better and better each and every week. And something that doesn't appear to be getting easier week after week, is the Aleister Black attack investigation. Lars Sullivan interrogated, maybe as William Christensen, I'm honestly not sure, admits that his purpose that evening was to locate Aleister Black, but by the time he managed to come across the former NXT champion, he was already down. All he saw was Undisputed Ever driving away and William Regal. And quite frankly, and I'm going to try my best to quote him here. If I did it, I would still be standing over Aleister Black's lifeless body. Dark words by the Leviathan. And I believe every single word of them. I absolutely know for a damn near fact that the first thing Lars Sullivan would do after becoming medically cleared is trying to get redemption on Aleister Black for his broken jaw. My top suspect, 
obviously knocked out of contention to be the attacker. Who is Alistair Black's assailant? That question will be answered in later time, but a question of whether Raul Mendoza is medically cleared? The answer to that one is yes, and he meets Alistair... He meets... Man, nobody meets Alistair Black in a match next week. He meets Lars Sullivan in a match next week. Mendoza gets the slightest bit of redemption over the Leviathan if he can manage to get any offense in. Lars Sullivan, a man on a warpath, coming back to NXT television to compete. Raul Mendoza is... I have a feeling that the upstart is in for a world of hurt on this one. Oh boy. Lots of NXT coverage. Do I have enough energy to talk about a fantastic main event? Of course I do. Featuring two of my top talents in all of NXT at the moment. Velveteen Dream versus Johnny Gargano in a fantasy booked main event. Great match. From the entrances. Velveteen Dream, a psychological tactician and not just enough about the physical assailant of Aleister Black. The mental assailant is Velveteen Dream. Rocking a Johnny Failure shirt, a crying icon to dot the I in failure, the armbands to really tie it all together. It it was a work of art this week. If you haven't watched this main event, watch the greatness and the promise that is the Velveteen Dream. It fired up Johnny Gargano, though. Gargano is fired up by these antics, and you could prove, you could tell that this aggressive symbiote is coming out in Johnny Wrestling. The energy he gives off in between the ropes is different. The aggressive style is different. We're used to seeing evasion and tactician and way more reliance on speed, but Johnny Gargano seems to be coming way more head first and I mean that literally, at his opponents. But, I mean, Johnny Wrestling never gets sold out. Quick-moving wrestling on both of these guys' parts would would really just hook you right into this match. Dream and Gargano, great chemistry. Two developing competitors since they last met in January of this year. Improvements on both sides since then. And you really don't think either of these two guys could get any better. But they just, they keep defying those odds. And Johnny Gargano and Velveteen Dream each get more and more compelling week by week by week. Near fall after near fall. Johnny Gargano would tap into this twisted reserve that I keep on mentioning and attempt a powerbomb to the outside on the larger Velveteen Dream. I'm going to say it again. I don't know if it's stupidity or frustration, or anger coming over Johnny Gargano, but it would cost him. Attempting this powerbomb to the outside would aggravate that agitated right knee injury, and it would wreak havoc on him for the rest of this matchup. Velveteen Dream would continue that assault and target that very knee. Dream knows. Dream knows how to pick his spots. Dream knows how to attack you mentally and physically, and Velveteen Dream proving all of this against Johnny Gargano. Gargano, once again, and it won't just be this one more time, Johnny Gargano is seeing every single opponent he steps into the ring with as Tommaso Ciampa. Johnny Gargano was not seeing Velveteen Dream. He was seeing Tommaso Ciampa. 
he still had the same amount of hatred in his eyes. That look has not disappeared since TakeOver Brooklyn 4. This is a man possessed. He forgot it was Velveteen Dream. He almost attempts that apron draping DDT to the floor. But thinks better of it. He still knows that he has inspiration. He knows he has to be an inspiration to some of these people and his fans. Especially these younger fans. These ones that are looking up for him. These ones that know that Johnny taps into all this heartbreak and uses it as motivation. That's why he doesn't deliver this DDT. But it does not stop this aggression. A Gargano escape would take place on the outside. Not caring if it's for a referee's count. Not caring if it's going to matter at all. Just an absolute attack on Velveteen Dream. Gargano's a man possessed by hatred, by stupidity. Whatever it is, the adrenaline kicks in. Dream eggs on this physical Johnny Gargano. This look in his eyes, Velveteen Dream is welcoming it. This near strike, whether it was going to be that attempt at another knee or a super kick to seal the matchup, Dream would egg it on and counter at just the right time. A Dream Valley driver delivered with momentum for the 1-2-3. Velveteen Dream proves he is the better man this evening and quite frankly, I think lines himself up for that competitor against Tommaso Ciampa slot that appears to be missing. Champa claims to not have a contender. Why not go against the guy who just got done beating the man that you just got done beating? Give me the Blackheart versus the Dream. Give me the moment versus the experience. Just a little bit of fantasy booking for NXT TakeOver War Games. I mentioned it would begin end-to-end with Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano... Johnny Gargano might be caving to this Johnny Failure nickname. An absolutely apologetic look would be met with Johnny Wrestling and Johnny Failure dueling chance in Full Sail University. It's hard to be on either side of the Johnny Gargano spectrum right now. It's it's heartbreaking to be a fan. It's rough to watch him go through all this. I can speak with absolute bias. I was hoping he would seal the victory and become NXT champion right in front of my eyes and the Barclays Center. But Johnny's walking away. Johnny's lost confidence in himself. He apologizes to his fans. Just a lot of sadness in his eyes. Johnny's walking away. How long he's walking away, I really think is it's open for interpretation. How long will this downward spiral of Johnny Gargano's career continue? Give me any of your thoughts. Thank you for tuning in. Two weeks worth of turmoil on NXT discussion. Just about hitting an hour. Well, a little under an hour of discussion. Thanks for tuning in. If you join me at the 20-minute mark or you listen to this entire episode, I could not thank you enough for joining me and becoming a part of Team NXT Be sure to follow all of the social media at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. It's where you're going to find the primary source of my coverage for Raw, SmackDown, spoiler-free WWE NXT, spoiler-free Mae Young Classic tweeting. Not giving away any results, but I will give away a lot of details when it comes to my live tweets. 
Thank you for anybody interacting with me this past week on the Twitter as well. I mentioned the great group of podcasts that I've been interacting with. Major, major shout out to anybody who made it out to StarCast 2018 in Chicago for the all-in event. Very jealous I couldn't be there, but major shout out and major props if you were out there. All of the respect in the world for your guys' hard work. And speaking of hard work, wrestling podcasts, it's hard. It's hard to get recognition. It's hard to get exposure, especially when you're primarily a solo act like myself. But it's nice to get recognition when recognition seems due. Thank you to my friends over at the Wrestle Hub for the Professional Wrestling Podcast Awards. Wrestling Podcast Awards, very unique concept, but definitely a welcome spot on my schedule. Great podcast up there. I mentioned the Wrestling Hub, Wretched Wrestling, the Buzzards Podcast, Brocast Podcast, Wrestling Worldwide from up and down UK, all over the place, Smart to Death, Tag Me In Bro, Wrestle Thoughts, Angle Slam Podcast, Omega Luke, BCC, Josh and Stu, Royally Rumbles, Ringside Rant, Amazing Nerd Show, my friends over for over for the predictions, God of the Pod recognition brackets. Always fun time when I actually get my predictions on time to interact with you guys. Brotherly Love Wrestling, one of my favorites out there right now, always providing a good topic, question, and some riveting discussion. And if I didn't mention you, I'm really sorry. Lots of respect, guys. Any nominations for Best Solo Podcasts would be appreciated. If you're out there listening, thank you for being a part of Team NXT for as long as you have. Thank you for nominating me, for recognizing all of the hard work that really comes into this. Finding time in my schedule is difficult, but it's always worth it. And you guys make it possible. Thank you so much for sharing this common interest in the best brand that professional wrestling has going and that is NXT. At Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word is the Instagram. Find memes, finds plugs for other shows, finds pictures of the Team NXT mascot, the Velveteen Dog, Colin. Check it all out. I'm sure you'll be entertained. Be sure to give me a like on Facebook. Not as active a social media platform as I would like it to be, but the recognition on there is appreciated as well. Thank you for listening to me. I could sit here and thank you guys all day for anything you've done, but most importantly, for listening on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that be iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, CastBox.fm, any third-party site where you might be listening to your favorite podcasting coverage. I am CD Danny Mac. This has been Episode 67. Join me next week for some more riveting NXT discussion and, man, it can't come soon enough. Ricochet versus Pete Dunne, North American champion, United Kingdom champion, will be colliding.